Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. The Ducks fall for the third time in the season. They never let me down. The Horned Frogs, Michigan, and the Bulldogs remain perfect. And how did how the spoiler makers and the Bayou Bengals make it into the conference championship? We will never know. Welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable. If you prefer to call it Ring Knocker Radio, we like to call it two O's and an NCO. I'm your host, Rob, out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got Dano Ikebesa out of Coastal Connecticut and 12-0 Trigger Joe out of the home of the big house. All right, guys. What games did you watch this weekend and kind of give us the rundown? Dan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I watched Tulane slowly dismantle Cincinnati. Uh, what a game that was. I mean, that running back from Tulane, holy cow. That is a man playing a, a kid's game right there. Uh, went with my daughter up to see Army dismantle UMass, which was awesome. Then I caught the tail end of the game on the radio coming home. Uh, realized we're going to talk about much more of that. And then I watched the first and the fourth quarters of the war on I-4. You know, spoiler alert, UCF's rushing defense is poo-poo. Tulane is going to beat them bad, like bad, bad, bad. And also realize this is not an NFL show, but shout out to the Lions for finally winning on Thanksgiving Day. But they didn't. <laughs> Wait, what? They didn't. They missed a field goal. and they Oh, that's right. The field goal was on them. Oh. You know what? Daniel, that, that's, a, that's an accurate prediction for what I said to my 11-year-old with one minute left to go. The problem was, as my... Resting grandfather said that the Detroit freaking Lions oh and find a way to lose. And they that's did. awful. Right in the last minute. So if you turn the game off at two minutes, you're right. They I, I guess I, I turned away to get my turkey. At, uh, hmm. yeah, All right. Lincoln, they'll pull a fast one on you. They can I, lose yeah, apparently. Right, well, I guess we know what I know about football. Let me turn yeah. this thing off now. <laughs> All right, Joe, what about you? What did you watch this week? I'm weekend? getting a text from Dan right now saying, thanks for sharpshooting me, punk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, you know what game I was watching, brother. I had my my oldest son with me. It had been a while since him and I had watched an Ohio State game together with my dad and watched every second of the uh, Michigan-Ohio State game. And for some periods in it, we were jumping and falling all over each other like we were a bunch of kids. My uh, dad was going nuts. You know, my, my son was going nuts. It was uh, – it was a it was a great game, and it was honestly, and I don't mean to dance on uh, a tough L for you, Colonel Rob, but it was one of the best Michigan victories I can remember watching because I did it with you know with family, and it was just, and, and it was you know what the game meant, and we talked about that, you know how how much was behind the game, yeah, um, and for the loser how different it looks. Now I will say this, with Michigan's preseason pre Big Ten schedule. If they lost, their resume doesn't look so good as the best 1L team. But thankfully for Ohio State, they beat Notre Dame, and they are big-time Utah fans right now. Because if US, UCS, or geez, oh, Pete, if USC loses, the best one-loss team in America is Ohio State. Yeah, and, and I think 
I think we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, you know, the fire the fire drill is really w- what's going to be interesting if if something crazy happens this weekend. So for me, of course, I watched the Buckeyes. I watched the USC game and watched and I'm talking South Carolina and Clemson. And oh yeah, boy howdy. You know, I I can't speak the praises of, of Spencer Rattler. That guy looked every much the five star that he was recruited to be, and it's amazing how well. And the kid had some adversity too, man. He threw two picks early in the game, and then you know kept it together. And he's like, "Hey guys, look, you know, just stick with me here, and we'll we'll, we'll get this thing over the top." So I think that was just another one of those awesome football contests to watch. And then of course I watched the Army game, and it was great to see, you know. Them have a strong finish, you know. Granted, it's UMass. They needed that game earlier in the season to build their confidence, because I think if they would have had that game earlier in the season, they probably would have, you know. Honestly, when I do a fair assessment of the season, there's probably two games that Army legitimately should have lost. Wake Forest for sure, and you know, Coastal is a is a pick'em. You know, that could have went either way. If you put those guys ten times playing each other, it's five and five. And so I think that's a that's a fair assessment of the Army season. But again, tons of football watching. I'm looking forward to this weekend. A lot fewer things to watch on the TV, but just as impactful. But we'll roll into the top ten. Dan, what do you got? Yeah, man. Uh, number one, Georgia. They are 12 and 0. That's best team in the land. Number two, Michigan. Also 12 and 0. Unquestionably number two. Uh, TCU also 12 and 0. I think everybody's still a little skeptical, but what can you say? They've won all their games. Number four, Southern California, 11 and one. Uh, I think they definitely deserve to be there, assuming that they win out. Then number five, Ohio State. Number six, Alabama. Number seven, Tennessee. Uh, number eight, Penn State. That's a pretty good showing for Penn State team that looked, you know, like doo doo a little earlier in the season. Number nine, Clemson. They're hanging around. And number 10, Kansas, uh, nine. I'm sorry. Uh, Kansas State at nine and three. So, uh, rounding it out, top twenty-five by conference. Pac-12 somehow still has six, four, nine, twelve, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. SEC has six. The ACC has three. Numbers ten, fourteen, and twenty-four. Big Ten has three. That's crazy that the Big Ten only has three ranked teams. Big Twelve has three. American has two. Conference USA has one. That's UTSA and Independent. That would be Notre Dame coming in at number nineteen. Um, top 25 losses this week, number 20, Old Miss, number 24, Cincinnati, number 17, North Carolina. What a painful loss that was. I watched that one. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Clemson, number two, Ohio State, number nine, Oregon, and number 15, Notre Dame. So what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, I definitely have to laugh at that Oregon thing. I knew those guys were going to drop it. That's how it happens every year. Uh, it's been a crazy season. And again, I-, I think we're finally getting to the point where we're going to stop seeing undefeated teams into week 10. I think there was only like four teams that were still undefeated going into week 10. And I think that's how it should be. You know, you're going to have the the power conferences, you know, the SEC and the big 10 are always going to have guys that are going to be undefeated, but I think we're really starting to see how it, how it happens. But I will tell you my big fear as, as we go into the conference realignment is how do we set the slate, particularly in the big 10? I mean, SEC is pretty balanced. You know, when they bought in Texas A&M and some of the other teams, they're, they're roughly in the same kind of boat. But when you look at the Big Ten, when they pull in USC and UCLA, they have got to fix that Western division. They have to. If they don't realign within those divisions, then it's just going to be a pain. And then what happens? They need to the scrap Pac- it. Yeah, but what happens to the Pac-12? You know what I mean? Let's be honest here. Because the Pac-12, it is what it is, you know. They just signed that huge 
TV contract, and now two of their best teams are going to the Big Ten. So, like, how does that work out? Who's going to come in? Colorado tried it. didn't work out so well for them. You know, they've been god-awful since they've been in the Pac-12, and they looks like they barely field the team most of the time. But uh, I I think, you know, that's the big off-season discussion is how we roll into the 12-team playoff with the new conference alignments because they've got to fix these uh, these way-out-of-balance divisions or, or at least fix the scheduling so the teams that are in the West – and particularly in the Big Ten, just just look different because it, it, it's a royal pain in the butt. All right, moving on to the service academies real quick. Navy's you know still four and seven. They've been inactive since the nineteenth of November. Their next game is on the tenth of December. I, I don't know. Do you think uh, that long layoff is going to affect them? I mean, it, you know, everybody yes. says like like oh, there's no such thing as as ring rust or whatever. But when you're a hot team like Navy was going into their last couple of games. Like the last thing that you want to do is take 20 something days off. <laughs> but what do you think, yeah. man? I mean, it's good in, from the sense that they'll get a chance to get everybody healthy. But um, I mean, Army has moved away from the two week by seemingly on purpose. Uh, I can't believe that they didn't do that without Coach Munkin's, you know, knowledge and blessing. I think that they'd rather, you know, play a team like UMass and then roll into a one-week buy, and then roll into Navy. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll definitely see. I know some of the Navy fans are like, oh, we've got the two-week buy this year, so we're going to be extra tough. But I don't know, man. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just weird, man, with, with academic schedule and everything else. Like, if this was pro football, yeah, I, I get it. More time to prepare, you know, because that's all you do is you eat, sleep, and, and drink football. But – who knows? All right, so moving into the Air Force game. Air Force won 13-3 to against San Diego State. Like, who would have saw that? Air Force is going to the New Mexico Bowl against North Texas. Hey, folks, if you are right. an Air Force fan, uh, watch that one because that one's going to be a drubbing. You're going to get to see, uh, you know, the lowest-ranking guy on the totem pole is going to get into that yeah. game. Cause what a crappy bowl game for a team that's going to wind up with 10 wins. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. they're yeah, going to beat North Texas 90-0. to zero. Yeah, well, they should, I, be, I, yeah, they should be up against a bigger market program. Um, and, and that, that you know, I haven't done much of the preaching. And Colonel Rob, you, you know, you, you got skin in the game. You played at Army. Um, but yeah, it's come on, man. Give these give these service academies the due. Like, keep your thanks on Veterans Day. Put these guys against somebody big time and, and watch them play like their lives depended on it. Yeah. I doubt Air Force would be embarrassed if they put them up against a ranked team in a bowl game. I think they'd compete. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I think the only thing that's probably holding Air Force back right now is that little asterisk of the shenanigans that happened with the recruiting stuff. And mm-hmm. like we really don't know what that looks like and how that's gonna affect it. We'll probably hear some stuff after the season, but I think that probably had a small part to play in the bowl selection for them. Like, hey, let's not give these guys a bigger showcase because uh Whatever it is, and again, alleged recruiting violations. I don't know. I, I know quite a few people, both on the mm-hmm. Army and the and the Navy alumni side, that do not care for Coach Calhoun. And I will put a pen in it because I, will, you know, don't want to reveal my sources. But the other part of it is, bottom line is, I think I think there's a culture thing going on at Air Force, and I think this may be the way of like, hey, look, you guys could have been in a much better opportunity, but because you stepped on your toes a little bit. We're going to kind of put you put you in the the back corner for a while, and again, we'll talk about this much much deeper on the uh, 
As for football, Army football show, but Army won big against UMass. Black Knights needed a performance like this, and like I said, I wish it would have come earlier in the season because they would have been uh, a little bit more confident later in the year. And as we just talked about, Air Force is the only academy going bowling this season. Given the selection criteria for the bowls this year, it does not look like Army will get a bowl game, even if they beat Navy soundly. I don't think that they're going to get the opportunity to go to a bowl game, just the two FCS wins. And I think because the only only offhand chance, if like all the stars and planets align and the NC2A says, okay, hey, you know what? We'll give you the benefit of the doubt because Tennessee dropped you from your schedule late and you had to schedule Villanova to keep the 12 teams on your schedule. So we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But I'm not so sure that the the NC2A is going to care that much about Army uh, with a 6-6 six and six rank. You, you know, like if, like if they were – if they were like seven or eight and whatever, and they had two, you know, FCS wins and those were kind of the difference, and then yes, they give them a bowl. But I think looking at uh looking listening to the giggles and looking at the the tea leaves right now, I just don't think that uh, Army is gonna have the opportunity to go bowling this year. But six and six is respectable given, you know, the way that the season went for them. But we'll pause really quick. And then we'll pass this over to Joe because Joe has something to say about the game this week. And when we mean the game, that's the big game in quotes, T-H-E-G-A-M-E. Uh, and everybody knows that was as the rivalry of the centuries. Uh, and then he'll roll it right into his Blue Falcon of the week. So, Joe, the mic is yours. Yeah, that was uh, my little guy gig one. I think he uh, he's I think he's giving me the raspberries. See if I'll freeze up. But, uh, you know, the the thing about the game and what I noticed is, you know, I made a trip through Columbus uh, to pick up my son. And then I made a trip through Columbus to drop him off afterwards, like a few days after the game. And I talked to a couple of locals. And I think the thing that's that's Jim Harbaugh's finally done in this rivalry, because he caught a lot of heat, a lot of heat. And, you know, when Ryan Day came out and said, you know, I, I hope we get Michigan here because we're going to hang 100 on them next season. Apparently, that struck a chord with Harbaugh to where he fought like answering back and said, hey, just because you were born on third base doesn't mean you hit a triple. Um, basically saying Urban Meyer built that team. And the scary part about that comment is, is now he's beaten them twice. All right. After some of Urban's guys have left. Now Harbaugh's not only got his guys that he's recruited, he's also been able to get a full class through and develop his talent. And the two things that everyone was worried about going into that game and the two things that separate this Michigan team from the ones I've watched my entire life were everyone said, can't throw the deep ball and they can't win without Blake Corum. And usually when people talked about stuff like that, like you got to go down to Columbus, you're probably going to get beat historically Michigan teams have kind of lived up to that narrative. Well, Blake Corum played one snap and it was a faux snap. It was just to let them prepare all week for him. You know, Colonel Rob played college football. He knows that drill. You don't, you don't divulge your injury report. And so it looked like Corum was going, well, he wasn't, he wasn't ready to go at all. Michigan goes out there, runs for over 200 yards. Granted, most of it was in the second half, but they threw for 330. you know, and JJ McCarthy, all of a sudden, it's kind of reminds me of Spencer Rattler. Like, is this kid a five-star yep. or is he not a five-star? Where is he at? Oh, there he is. And all of a sudden, defensive coordinators for the other three teams getting into the playoffs, I won't jinx Michigan because they still got to play a game, 
are having nightmares thinking we got to prepare for the deep ball, number seven and number two with that defense. Michigan's scary right now for everybody other than Georgia. And I do believe that Michigan's closed that talent gap with Georgia to where they match up much better with Georgia this year than they did last year. And I think that Michigan and young Ohio State fans need to hear this. Get ready because this is what the rivalry's like. Oh, you had a good year this year? Maybe you get the best of us, but we'll get the best of you next year. And it's going to go punch for punch again. But the beautiful thing about this rivalry is both teams are right here again. Talent-wise, confidence-wise, the way they dominate the rest of their schedule, that is what made this rivalry beautiful from the start, is that both teams were legitimate national title contenders, and we're going to find out whose season's over today. And, and you know, other than a, or rather than a 9-2 and two Michigan team coming in to play a 12-0 stack Buckeye team, losing by three scores, and it's just like we expected it. You know, it's, it's finally shifted to where I feel like the playing field is even, and the confidence level is even. And uh, this is going to be a beautiful thing moving forward. And I'm not just rah-rah in Michigan and poo-poo in Ohio State. They're, they're, Ohio State's going to be Ohio State, and they're going to be all right. <laughs> they're going to be just fine. And, and I, don't be surprised, because this is a real thing, and it's possible. Colonel Rob, you're going to get goosebumps. Michigan versus Ohio State for the national title. It is a real possibility this year. Because Ohio State could sneak in with with USC losing. That automatically means they're not going to play Michigan in the first round. And both teams win. Now, that would be a monumental upset if they beat Georgia. But it's just incredible for me to see both teams on that level again. And uh, it's a great thing for college football. And it's a great thing for the Big Ten. But uh, my Blue Falcon of the week, having said that, it's got to be the guy that was brought in. And if he needs a lesson from John Cooper... You were brought in to beat Michigan. You weren't brought in to dominate Indiana and Rutgers. Jim Knowles, you were brought in defensively to harness that Michigan offense that hung 42 on you last year, and instead you let them hang 45 on you. So, sir, I'm sorry, but if you were a special agent in the Bond movie, your name would be Agent Cover Zero because that's the only defense you ran for four quarters. Like, are you out of your mind? Three touchdowns of over 75 yards or more, and you don't put a two-deep safety in? You're just going to go man-to-man all game long? How many touchdowns? Hang on a second. Donovan Edwards just scored again, and it was a pass from J.J. McCarthy. Like, when are you going to put a safety back there? He basically just said, you know what, kids? I believe you're better. And sometimes the kids, if you listen, will tell you back, hey, no, we're, we're not. They're burning us. We need help. Put somebody back there. But he just kept on running that cover zero when he should have absolutely made a halftime adjustment. And if he halftime adjusts and puts his uh, two deep zone out there, who knows if Michigan wins? All you got to do is stop one touchdown and have one swing the other way, you know, in a game like that. And let's be honest, the score wasn't indicative of how close it was because Donovan Edwards had two touchdowns in about 13 uh, seconds of offensive possession time. So it was like bang, bang. And all of a sudden we're up three scores when really we were up one for most of it. So I, I firmly believe if he would have changed up his defensive strategy, he could have put a little bit of a handcuff on Michigan, and we wouldn't have been able to score like that. But uh, every single big play, there was no one back there. And uh, it happened four times. So Jim Knowles, collect your T-shirt. I know you don't like wearing blue, but you earned it this week. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and what what Joe said is very very true. And, and Army fans can kind kind of deal with this. And, and and I think everybody's kind of going through these transitions with rivalry games. You know, like the backyard brawl, the Rocky Mountain Showdown. You know, the War on I four. All these games are kind of like falling out of balance. And when somebody puts like a, a streak together, like three, if you have a streak more than three, maybe four, like if you have a graduating class that goes four years and beats their rival every year, then people start to get a little uncomfortable. Like if you're a coach, you've got to be uncomfortable. Like, Hey, look, I recruited these guys. And for four years, we weren't able to get over the hump, you know? And so that's, that's a, that's a mental thing. But the other part of it is, is for your fan base, like people just check out, you know, and, and I can tell you that. Yeah, that's true. For, for, sure. a lo- for a long time, and, and I can say this, we have had Army fans that literally had teenage children that had never seen Army beat Navy. Mm. Like, that's how long that streak went. And, and, you know, when it broke, then everybody's like, oh, my goodness, and then two in a row. And then it was like, okay, now we're back to where we're punching back and forth. And, you know, and the best part of the Army-Navy game is it's played on a neutral field, so there really is no – you know, there really is no advantage to playing wherever. And I think now with Ohio State and Michigan and some of these other like contested in conference rivalries, if it goes punch for punch, like if you win at home, cool. You know, I think that that's fair. You know, like you alternate every other year. And if that's the only blemish on your schedule, like if you look at Ohio State, they're not a bad team. They had a bad game, but they're not a bad team. And I think I think that's one of the 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 fallacies of college football is a one loss team is terrible, right? Well, then if you go back and you look at former national championships with two national champions with two losses, what do we think of Bama and Clemson? Like I personally, if I was a, you know, Bama or Clemson fan or somebody that's in a rivalry game with those dudes, I don't want to play those guys. Like, I don't think I, I genuinely think like, yeah, Auburn had a lot of heart and they came out strong. And then guess what happened to them? Bama did what Bama does to everybody. They got Bama'd. Yeah, you know, so it, it, it just happens. All right, uh, we'll move on to the games of the week. Short slate this week, just because it's championship weekend, so there's not a lot of activity. So uh, games kick off on Friday. You've got Akron and Buffalo playing. Uh, One o'clock, that is an odd time for a kickoff. So if like if you're into day drinking and you can sneak out of work, go go for it and check out that game. That's, that's not a championship game. That's a makeup. Akron yeah, is a three-win team. Yeah, yeah, that's for the blizzard. So it's just. Yeah, I was actually about just, to say, what's Akron doing playing this late in the season? Yeah, Should no, they're that's that's not the MAC championship. They're they're just playing because it's it, it's a makeup for the for that uh, for that um, Buffalo Blizzard. Okay, so that's a Buffalo Blizzard makeup game. Uh, then you got the Pac-12 on Friday night, so you got Utah and a USC, which is going to be legit, and that'll be a good game. I think uh, you know. They won by one point. USC did. Uh, and the line on is plus three. So that game can go anywhere. You know, and I legitimately think I legitimately think that uh that could be that could be the first shakeup, but we'll talk about the fire drill a little bit later. But uh yeah, I think USC is is on the bubble right now. It's a neutral field and, and actually it manages nobody in a neutral field. I think they're playing uh well, they're playing in Vegas. Anyway, uh, Conference USA, you got North Texas versus UTSA. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about that one, guys, but legitimately I think UTSA is a significantly better team than uh, North Texas, and North Texas is going to get whooped twice 
in the month of December. So they're going to lose yeah. big time in uh, against UTSA and Conference USA, and then they're going to get whooped by Air Force. Uh, moving on to Saturday. So the MAC championship is officially uh, Ohio versus Toledo. Uh, it's uh, spreads one and a half that kicks off at noon on ESPN. This is your game to watch. It's the battle of the purple. So you got Kansas state. You got Kansas state and uh, TCU playing in Arlington. That's going to be a wild one. Like I, I think you mm-hmm. better strap up and don't blink. Cause those, both of those teams have some pretty impressive offenses, but again, the rule for K state is run the damn ball, you know, control the clock, keep Duggan off the field. Duggan can't score. Yeah. Whether he's running or passing, if he's sitting on the sidelines, and so that like it's the typical college football playbook, you know, keep that guy off the field. Yeah, Coastal Dude and Troy. Gamer. I think Coastal and Troy. I think that'll be a good game. Uh, it'll be a better game if Grayson McCall starts. Uh, and again, that's big question mark next to him. Troy is Troy is good, and, and so is Coastal. I think both of those teams are are playing for a little bit of respect because they kind of slipped a little bit in the season, but. Uh, uh, Troy has won something like eight games straight. The problem is, you know, they have such a good rushing defense that if Grayson McCall doesn't play, Coastal's they got they got problems. Yeah, uh, and I think that's really what it boils down to is who's the starting who's QB one for for Coastal. That might be the difference in that game. Then you got the SEC is LSU versus Georgia. That's a essentially a home game in Atlanta for them. Uh, Georgia, Georgia's Georgia. I mean, really, the only time I've seen them struggle was against Mizzou, and that was for like a quarter and a half. And then, you know, Stetson Bennett decided that he was going to show up. And uh, LSU, I, I have no idea how LSU made it into, you know, the 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 championship discussion, let alone uh, hanging out at number five. I'm still scratching my head on that one. Yeah, it's President- a weak year for the SEC, top to bottom. No, it's yeah. just a lot of parody. I mean, outside of Georgia, yeah, there's I a mean, lot of teams that are, sure. you know, if you put South Carolina into the Big 12, they would be going to the Big 12 championship game right now. Yeah. yeah. Arguably, yes. Yeah. Cer- yeah. Certainly in the ACC. I mean. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I think I think South, Car- South Carolina is a sleeper. And if you look at their last three games, man, like, holy moly. Again, Spencer Rattler, that dude. Ah. It, yeah, he's, he's fuego. You got you – got, Fresno at Boise State, they're playing at four on Fox. You've got uh, UCF and Tulane, uh, folks. That's another one. Like unless you are glutton for punishment, or you really like Tulane, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even check in on that one. You got the ACC championship. This one actually is going to be a better football game. It doesn't really yeah. matter to me as far as you know records are concerned because I think both of those guys had their opportunity to kind of lock their season in and they lost it. Clemson lost to South Carolina in the uh, Palmetto Bowl, and then you know. Everybody's been talking NC State about like this is the second one they've they've stolen away from UNC in the in the handful of years and man and of course everybody's uh, late night game so if you have two TVs you're probably going to be watching these two I know Joe will probably only have one on he'll be watching Michigan play the spoiler makers the line on that game is a uh, plus sixteen and a half for Purdue I think that's pretty reasonable uh, take it I, yeah. I, it, I think that's fair. I don't think Michigan's I like Michigan going to win by more than seventeen. Yeah, I do. I do. I I like Michigan seventeen. Given seventeen, I like them. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Purdue stands a chance. I'm sorry. That's just my that's just my humble opinion. I think it's going to be about a thirty five ten game. Huh. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, my my thoughts are my thoughts are this. I think it's a it's a different it's a different uh, look 
from last year's Big Ten Big Ten Championship. Similar situation, you know, a not so strong West team versus a undefeated Eastern team. But the difference is Iowa had lost three going into the Big Ten Championship, whereas you know, or I'm sorry, Iowa lost two going into the Big Ten Championship, whereas Purdue has won their last three. So I think they they're going to play them. 24 to three by Iowa, though. No, they that's did. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, if they can do that to you, Michigan's going to do that to you. Yeah, it 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 just depends. It just depends. But I, I I've already said this. If the spoiler makers happen to pull off the spoiling of the of the century. I will be personally buying a Purdue shirt and wearing that for the rest of the season. Just <laughs> I won't hang out with you anymore if you wear it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Michigan's not champions if they don't blow them out. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's fair. But I also, you also got to think they're nicked up. And the reason why I would take the 16 and a half is because they're nicked up. And I think they're going to have to let off the gas to preserve some people for a much, much tougher contest. But. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's going to be tough for Purdue to score. I think that that's not really the offense isn't really where I'm thinking the domination is going to come. I think people are are thinking that Purdue's going to have an easier time on offense than they are. And I think they're going to get shut down. So yeah. I don't see Michigan scoring 50 points, but I do see them scoring probably at will into the mid third quarter. And I don't even think Blake Corum should be on the bus and leave my home. I'm dead serious. He sh- if he plays at all. Someone should get fired. Yeah, I, not I mean, ready. yeah, that's a, and that's assume that's assuming a lot of risk, knowing that you have two potentially three more games. Like you have the game that you're playing, and then two follow-ons after that. I think it's just from a coaching perspective, you got to decide, you know, which side your bread is buttered on. And it's like, hey, look, I would I would take a close game against Purdue to save some guys because I got to play some much much tougher team mm. in yeah. the next couple weeks. And you I know. I think Donovan Edwards understands his role, and if you start him at tailback after what happened last week, he's going to be running with a lot more confidence. you got to remember, this kid's young, too. He's younger than Blake Corn, uh, yeah. but he was a five-star coming in, and, you know, he looked at on, he looks at him flashes. He's going to have to bring the whole thing, and uh, some underclassmen are going to have to back him up because I really don't think Blake's going to play. I don't think he's ready physically. Even if he was, I think he should, uh, like you just said, save it for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, Stranger, stranger things that happen. It is college football. All right, so go ahead and get out your uh, your cheat sheets, gentlemen, and we will pick some games. Weekly locks. Dan. So one, and, yeah, I went one and two last week. Uh, Tulane beat Cincy outright. That was cool. Um, man, that running back. Holy crap, he's good. Uh, Troy's offense showed up huge against Arkansas State, so that game went way over. And Iowa State at TCU disappointed on total points. What are you going to do? Uh, my picks this week, I've got UTSA minus 8.5 versus North Texas. Um, man, UTSA, the Roadrunners need to get in a different weight class. Like They're too good for Conference USA. It, I, and I know, like, Conference USA stuff changes every year. And, you know, who knows, maybe that Jeff Trailer is going to get hired somewhere else or whatever. But, um, you know, they graduate a few people and they're not the world killers. But right now, they're beating everybody bad. Um, and then two, uh, Tulane minus three and a half versus UCF. Man, UCF gave up nearly 300 yards rushing to a one-win team from South Florida right after Navy ran for 250 on them the week before. Like, did their nose tackle go out or something? Dude, it doesn't matter. Tulane has one of the best rushing offenses I've ever seen. They got that running back. He is amazing. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name. Holy crap. He's good. And then finally, uh, I took North Carolina plus seven and a half 
against Clemson. Um, Drake may, I'm not like a believer that he can beat Clemson, but I think that this is like an emotional game uh, that can go either way. So we'll see. I mean, both these teams lost last week. So what does that tell you? Yeah, for sure. And uh, so for me, I went one, one and one, which is ridiculous. So, so NC state and uh, UNC hit in regulation and went over by a hook. Uh, going into overtime, which sucks. Uh, USC covered 14 and a half by winning outright against Clemson, and the Iron Bowl was a push. Bama did win by 22, which uh, you know is is what it is. And, and again, Auburn was not that good. I didn't think that they were going to upset them. I just say stuff to be controversial. That's, but I think they did play them halfway decent for a half. Uh, going back to the well on this one, hey, I'm taking TCU and K-State to go over 62. I mean, both of these guys are offensive powerhouses. It doesn't matter who's starting for K-State. Either they're going to score three touchdowns rushing with Martinez or three touchdowns passing with the other guy. They have a legit offense. And then TCU, of course, Duggan. Duggan teased it a little bit. I don't know if he's going to leave or stay at TCU for another year. But if he stays, that puts him like he becomes easy top five Heisman candidate next year automatically just by showing up. That guy, you know, he can win and he's got he's got that, you know, that that factor of uh, he's got that factor of just being able to close out games. And so pro teams are going to be looking for a guy like that. And so it'll be interesting to see who gets in his ear, you know, towards the tail end of the season after the playoff and everything happens and uh, see where he ends up going. Hey, I said take the spoiler makers to cover 16 and a half. Uh, I don't think that they'll win, but I think it'll be closer than uh, what Joe thinks. And since he's the expert, it says be closer than what the experts thinks. But uh, And then the last pick that I've got is uh, take Utah to cover plus three. And the reason why I say that is because it was so, so close in the wow. first game. And again, rematches don't bode well for the team that won. I mean, it's one of those things in college football. You make adjustments. You realize, you know, the mistakes that you had. Having the opportunity to prep for somebody twice gives you an advantage that you wouldn't normally have throughout the course of the season. So I will take Utah to cover. Do not be surprised if they upset USC and, you know, the fire drill begins. And, Joe, what do you got? Uh, You know, when we do the UFC show, when me and Bill Pearson, who you know, are like right eyeball to eyeball on our picks, they say that's a good thing. So I guess this is a good thing that I got TCU and K-State over 62. (laughs) And I've been riding the green wave for a month. I'm not getting off of it. So I agree with Dano on his his two lane pick also. So I got Uh, two lane minus the minus. But hey, they they haven't let me down yet. Um. And this is where I fly in the face of Colonel Rob's logic a little bit, but hey, uh, that's why they play the games. I got, I, I got a message for Wolverine fans. Don't be scared of that 16 and a half. Champions deliver. This team does not see ghosts or look in the rearview mirror. They are going to steamroll. And uh, I got Michigan winning that game. It's somewhere in between 21 and 30 points. Um, but I love the over in it. Um, no. Purdue scores pretty w- scores pretty well if they go well below their average, which most teams do against Michigan. I mean, Ohio State was just held to 23 points, and uh, they were averaging high uh, mid 40s, yeah, number mid-40s. one offense in America. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, you know they hung a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. And so Michigan did the old bend but don't break. If they do that with Purdue, and Purdue, you know, say they go into the locker room. That's the thing about this Michigan team. They can go into the locker room tied and come out and win by 50 or 40, which like they did against Rutgers. They can go into the locker room losing 
uh, by three and come out and win by 22, which they did against Ohio State last week. They are a second-half team. Expect this team to close the show and uh, bring the Big Ten Championship back to Ann Arbor. I got Michigan winning by three scores there. So take a minus 16-and-a-half and take the over 51 because I think it gets there. Michigan scores 40, Purdue scores 20, bang, bang. All right. You know, so- one last thing before we move on. Um, while we're talking about Tulane, I realized that that was like a take ago, but how about coach Willie Fritz deciding to stay with the green wave? He had yeah. already been announced as the new coach of a different team. And then yeah. all of a sudden, nope, staying with the green wave. That that's is crazy. Awesome. I know hey, it was awesome. Yeah. It was cool. That, you know, that's, uh, sometimes when they think a coach is leaving somebody that's a fan that wants him to stay, will leak it and give the alums a chance to that's exactly what happened with Les Miles in Michigan. It got leaked by Kirk Herbstreet and I heard this from Les Miles himself. He works out of the gym right up at the right up street, no joke. He said, "Yeah, Herbstreet leaked that and ruined it." Because when Herbstreet leaked it on TV, a LSU alum came in and cut him a fat check to stay because Herbstreet's a buckeye. But so somebody at Tulane probably said, "Hey, coach is leaving. <laughs> Let's get a check out and keep him." And good for him for staying. Yeah, well, good yeah. for him for staying and, and, and winning with what he's got. Um, I think that that's the biggest problem with the transfer portal and with everything else. It's like, oh, next year is going to be tough. Well, just get out. You know, and the, you didn't see a lot of that back in the day of college football when Colonel Rob played and I grew up. So it's good to see a coach sticking with his guys, sticking with his team and the kids that came there and then achieving with those guys. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I, th- I think there's something to be said about, you know, building a culture in a football team and, and you can only do that by staying, you know, and I think you can, yeah, you can export some players with the, with the, uh, with the transfer portal, or you can take your coaching staff or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you move that many parts, does it necessarily mean that the culture is going to transfer either? You know, and I think the only reason why, like perfect example is like the only reason why Lincoln Riley is working out at USC is because everybody wants to see USC get back to prominence and his resume at Oklahoma speaks to that. Yeah, that is the truth. That yeah. amen to that. You know, I I mean, like, dude, we're what eighteen years from well, sixteen years from the the freaking Texas USC game. Like, like, yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable that we're that far removed. Like Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart are on your TV on Saturdays talking about college football because they don't even play anymore and they had very, very curtailed careers in the NFL. So, I mean, like that's how fast college football changes and look at all the changes that have happened since those guys have left. Sure. I'll I'll tell you a big change in college football from that team to this, that Texas team only had one starter that wasn't born in Texas. Think about that now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, True statement. Yeah. Transfers, man. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, topic for today is in case of total, total chaos you know dan what do you what do you think about the top four teams going into the playoff your thoughts so so yeah i like the top four as they are if one of them stumbles you know me i would always take the top four conference champions so i would i would think that you would take the winner of the acc um personally that's just me especially because i don't you know god forbid georgia stumbles i definitely wouldn't take lsu i don't care like i refuse just not gonna happen so i would rather take clemson warts and all um, but I don't think that's what will happen. I think the committee will take Ohio State. I think Michigan could lose and still get in, which I loathe. Hell, TCU might be able to lose and still get in. I loathe that too. But if it's up to me, you have to win your conference. <clears throat> and that's what matters. Win your conference and you get to play for the national championship if you're one of the top four. That's, 
I, you know what I want? Tulane. Let's put Tulane in there. Yeah. Hey, hey the, at least they'll show up, right? They'll probably That's all true. out for sure. They're going to make Joe, you play run defense. I'll tell you that damn much. Well, Joe, it would Joe be Lavar crazy. Tulane getting in wouldn't be as crazy as the look you gave me if 10 years ago I would have said, you know, Appalachian State will go into the big house and beat Michigan. You know, I mean, you don't know how good a team is until you give them a chance yeah. against top competition. And sometimes everybody else was wrong. And and that team was they were underrated because they didn't play top competition. But Tulane, man, I don't know something about Tulane. I just like watching them. Those uniforms, I don't know, whatever it is. That offense is so dynamic too. Fun to watch. But uh, I mean, it's it's just it's like the most creative version of the triple option ever invented. It's so it's amazing, amazing piece of work. Yeah, Yeah. I'm comfortable with the top four going in. I mean, like who's there now? Um, I honestly would be excited to see uh, USC and Georgia game because if if Caleb Williams gets time to pass, it'll be the only game you ever see Stetson Bennett go up against a quarterback that's equal or better. Well, yeah. I mean, Hendon Hooker, I've been um, right now with the way USC is playing against Georgia. I, I don't think that's a phone it in for Georgia, and I think they, that could really – I think it's a better chance of an upset than TCU in Georgia. So I, I think yeah, that fair. if you played the playoffs, yeah, I agree with that too. Top four are now. I'm very comfortable with those teams getting in. Yeah, like for for me, I, I absolutely agree with Dan. But again, the fire drill scenario is you know Georgia plays LSU tight or loses. Right? I don't think that's going to change where they are. That might drop them to number two, but I don't think that they move that much. Michigan stumbles against Purdue or the game is closer, you know, closer than people think. I think those two games don't really matter because they're one and two. So if they have one loss, I don't think it's going to really affect anything. But in the three and four slot, hey, if USC loses, then that opens the door for somebody else to make their case. And then it just depends on, you know, what the committee is looking at. And if you look at it from if you look at it from a football perspective, then Ohio State is the better team just because how potent the offense is, right? So if you look at it just on the face, it's like, hey, who's the best one-loss team? Well, it's Ohio State. Like, why? Because they lost to the number two team that's in the playoff right now, you know, mathematically. If you're looking at it from a money perspective, Ohio State has one of the largest alumni fan bases. They travel pretty well. So from a cash perspective, it makes sense to to put Ohio State into the playoff. Now, if you want to argue, you know, football lineage or previous national champions getting an opportunity, then that puts Bama and Clemson in the discussion. But I don't think that they rise to the top unless you have both TCU and USC lose. So if TCU loses to K-State, because K-State is hot right now, and, you know, if last week wouldn't have been TCU's last game and I watched how they freaking crushed, you know, Iowa State – like there's an offense in there that can put up some serious points in TCU, and we hadn't seen that in a couple weeks. But they're back to that that midseason form. But I don't think that they're going to lose. But if TCU and USC lose, then you see it's a coin flip. Who do you put in, Clemson or Ohio Bama? State's got to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think if two teams lose. Ohio State is in, but who's the fourth team at that? You got to take the team that won their conference champions, their conference championship. So I guess I'm at that point. I'm only conflicted if if uh, UNC wins the ACC. That would be wild. Yeah, I I, I yeah. think that's sure. legitimately that that's the fire drill. You know what I mean? Like like 
hey, if, if, if the top two teams have close games or lose, I don't think that's going to matter because they're ranked the top two. So they may shift positions, but it's no big deal. But if those teams that are kind of on the bubble, like if you are four through seven or four through eight right now, it's wide open if somebody loses. And then it just comes down to the eye test. But I would tell you, you know, you can't. I think Alabama, I think Alabama and Clemson are eliminated just by the fact that they lost recently to SC. So South Carolina basically dug the graves for Clemson and Bama. So literally Tennessee or Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. So really, so you got, you got Tennessee and and Bama is probably the only team that hasn't lost to SC. So that basically clears the road for them, which sucks because nobody wants to see Saban in the playoff again. And I think this will be the first year, if everything just holds the way that it is, if we get no change whatsoever, this will be the first year that you haven't had Dabo or Nick Saban coaching a team in the playoff. So those guys will be completely eliminated since 2014. You've always had one of those two guys in there. So I think gone are the days of, I think gone are the days of completely having all four teams be undefeated. I think those are over. But I think, you know, you're going to see a one loss team. And if, you know, the fire drill happens, you could potentially see a two loss Bama sneaking in there because there's nobody else available. Because, like, do you put LSU in there? Do you put LSU in there? They made it to the conference championship. They would have to beat Georgia. Yeah. No, that's awful. But, but, yeah, man, that's a tough one. You know, honestly, what – if TCU loses and USC loses, we haven't mentioned it, but I think what what about Ohio State and TCU still goes? Yeah. I mean, t- but that would put Ohio State at three and, and TCU at four, and that would be Michigan. I don't Fire drill. Here we go. Yeah, I, I legitimately think what would happen is, like, uh, honestly, if, if that – doomsday scenario happens i think what you do is you take tcu out of the number three spot or you you hold them at number three since that's their first loss and then you just move ohio state into four then you got ohio state georgia and at least you've got two compelling football contests at that point right and then you don't see the rematch because again i think i think we got our fill of rematches when we watched georgia play bama twice in the same year Uh, like i was over it so all that being said uh, we we covered some big ground we know that uh I can tell you one of the guarantees from this show is that uh, Joe is still a Michigan fan. And uh, I will tell you one of the other things is if you're not looking at my background, you know, the, the old Ironsides unis for Army are pretty doggone sweet. So if you have not uh, purchased that, you need to because uh, got a got a note from James earlier today. Like he ordered it on Tuesday when it came out and it was delivered today. So they're doing wow. express. Yeah, they're doing wow. express overnight shipping. So you can rock your old Ironsides jersey That's at the cool. game, rather Those than in slick, man. yeah, rather than in March <laughs> after all the excitement is over. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, look for for the guys here on the College Football Roundtable for twelve and zero. Trigger Joe coming out of the home of the Big House. We got Dano Ikebesa out of Coastal Connecticut, and I'm Rob the Angry Colonel here in Fayetteville. And we appreciate you guys checking us out. Uh, this week it's championship week and then uh, we should probably do a bowl preview and then i don't know what we're going to do after that we'll probably do something early uh, for the bowls and then something about midway and then the season will be over good grief another year of college football gone like that 
But we appreciate you guys checking us out, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable and as always, Beat Navy.